Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the Bid Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Bidemir Logande. In this episode, I'll be describing what is basically a case of insider threat on steroids regarding how a U.S. Navy nuclear engineer and his wife conspired to sell restricted data regarding the design of nuclear-powered submarines to someone who they believed was a representative of the foreign government. Officials from that foreign government actually notified the FBI, which then led to a month-long sting operation involving encrypted messages and emails, multiple dead drops, and even the use of a clandestine physical signal from the embassy of that foreign government in Washington, D.C. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. So um, a brief note um, to start with. In this episode, you might notice some supplementary background information about the people and places involved. Those are useful for context as the episode progresses. So basically what we have here is a Maryland couple facing espionage charges, spent years collecting classified information, planning to sell that information to a foreign country for as much as $5 million in cryptocurrency and then leave the US according to material laid out by prosecutors and the FBI in federal court on Wednesday, October 20, 2021. So to start, let's go all the way back to 2001, before Jonathan Toby, T-O-B-B-E, met his wife Diana in Atlanta, Georgia. So Jonathan Toby studied physics and mathematics at Emory University in Atlanta. Emory is a highly ranked private research university. It is ranked 21st among national universities in the U.S. and 71st among global universities. Mr. Toby got his bachelor's degree in physics at Emory in 2001 and his master's degree in physics in 2004, also from Emory. From January to June 2005, he worked as an adjunct professor and lab instructor at the Georgia State University Perimeter College and also as a physical science teacher in the Cobb County School District. His wife, Diana Toby, got her bachelor's degree in anthropology at the University of California, Santa Cruz, UC Santa Cruz, in 1997. She got her PhD in anthropology at Emory University, Atlanta, in 2005, at the age of 29, shortly after her husband, Jonathan, completed his master's degree in physics at the same university. For a PhD dissertation, Diana studied bronze and Iron Age skeletal remains from Iran. Her professor said her work showed great promise and many of them expressed surprise and disappointment that she had not pursued an academic career at a university. So in 2005, Jonathan and Diana Toby got married in Georgia and after Diana finished her PhD in 2005, the couple moved to Colorado. In Colorado, they took jobs at the Kent Denver School which is a private, co-educational, non-sectarian college preparatory high school and middle school in Cherry Hills Village, a suburb of Denver, Colorado. As of 2021, this year, Kent Denver School is among the top 100 of all private schools in the U.S. and is the number one best private high school in the state of Colorado. Cherry Hills Village, where the school is located, is one of the most affluent places in Colorado and the United States. So in the fall of 2008, three years after they moved to, to Colorado, Jonathan Toby started his PhD program in nuclear physics at the Colorado School of Mines. So Colorado School of Mines is a public research university in Golden, Colorado. The university, informally referred to as Mines, was ranked as the top institution in the world 
for Mineral and Mining Engineering. It is tied third in the U.S. News and World Report's 2021 list of top public schools in the U.S. It is ranked second in the same ranking for the 2021 Best Engineering Graduate Schools in the U.S. and it is tied for eighth position in the same ranking for 2021 Best National Universities ranking. The nuclear physics program at the Colorado School of Mines is mostly funded by U.S. government grants and is a conduit for many of its students to get jobs at the country's national laboratories where they get to work on nuclear weapons, the Naval Nuclear Propulsion Program, also known as Naval Reactors, or the next generation of nuclear submarines and aircraft carriers. So Mr. Toby's initial project involving work related to nuclear fusion at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory would have taken him on a career in California to work at that high-level government facility, which is a federally funded research and development center, mostly on nuclear weapons. His colleagues from back then remember him as a diligent student who could present complex ideas to any audience. So that PhD program at the Colorado School of Mines, however, only provided a meager $20,000 in annual stipend, and Ms. Toby's teaching salary at the Kent Denver School was also modest. Back in 2005, when they just arrived in Colorado, the couple purchased a newly constructed four-bedroom house for $268,500 in Aurora, which is a suburb of Denver, and they had two mortgages to cover the entire cost. However, when the global financial crisis hit in 2008, housing prices dropped drastically. So remember that 2008 was the same year that Mr. Toby left his teaching job at the private high school in Denver and began his PhD program with the meager $20,000 per year stipend. And by July 2010, the couple was behind on mortgage payments and their lender had to file for foreclosure. They were therefore forced to sell their home at a significant loss. Around that same time, Mr. Toby began talking to friends about his need to support his family and earn more money. Even though working at the National Laboratory in California would eventually lead to a better paying career path, the military offered a quicker pay increase. Mr. Toby therefore swapped research projects two years into his PhD program, taking a less promising line of study in nuclear submarine propulsion, but one that would take him to the opposite side of the country. In July 2012, he abandoned his PhD program, settled for a second master's degree in nuclear engineering from the Colorado School of Mines, and joined the U.S. Navy on active duty at the age of 33. That summer, the couple moved to Annapolis, Maryland with their two young children, who were approximately two and six years old at the time. So in October 2012, Mr. Toby began working as a nuclear engineer with the Naval Nuclear Propulsion Program, NNPP in the Washington Navy Yard in Washington, D.C., where he worked as a technical lead for Columbia-class submarine nuclear design and he also oversaw the performance of core physics testing aboard new construction and operating submarines and aircraft carriers. And that job required him to hold an active, top-secret security clearance through the U.S. Department of Defense as well as an active Q clearance from the U.S. Department of Energy. So that's the background information into this couple that has been accused and charged of conspiring to commit treasonable offenses. They met in Atlanta, Georgia, moved to Colorado, started a family, 
they faced financial and career obstacles, they lost their home, then moved back to the East Coast to start afresh. So according to court documents, we now know that Mr. Toby had physical access to the classified information that he tried to sell when he was assigned to the Betis Atomic Power Laboratory, um, a U.S. government-owned research center near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It was assigned there for studies for about five months in 2014 before returning to work on nuclear reactors in Washington, D.C. So the Betis Atomic Power Laboratory works exclusively on the design and development of nuclear power for the U.S. Navy and is part of the Naval Nuclear Propulsion Program that Mr. Toby began working for in October 2012. Mr. Toby remained on active duty with the U.S. Navy until 2017 when he joined the Navy Reserve. As a civilian, he continued working in the Washington Navy Yard on one of the most important projects that the Navy has, which is designing reactors for the Columbia-class submarines, the next generation of nuclear-powered and nuclear-harmed submarines. According to U.S. government officials, he earned about $154,000 per year in that role. So in Annapolis, Maryland, Miss Toby Diana got a job at the Key School. So the Key School is an independent, non-sectarian, private, co-educational school located in Hillsmere Shores, which is a suburb of Annapolis. There, she taught in the upper school, which is basically grades 9 to 12. Her students called her by her first name, and she was known for her passion in, for history and her willingness to write college recommendation letters for her students. Students and colleagues described her as confident, and many people mentioned the pride that she took in her PhD degree from Emory University, as well as her love for knitting. She was a respected advisor, both formally and informally, at the school. Others describe her as a very outspoken liberal feminist who was not afraid to make her opinions known. Some students said she would sometimes complain about her pay and the wage gap between men and women, mentioning that she could make more money elsewhere. Her former colleagues estimated that she probably earned around $60,000 per year at that private school. So after the 2016 election of former President Trump, some former colleagues and parents said that Ms. Toby's political views came out in class discussions. She seemed distraught and even mentioned several times that she was considering moving to Australia. She said she couldn't stand the current state of politics in the country and actually had found some job opportunities in Australia. So before the pandemic, the Tobys never socialized much with their neighbors and Diana Toby only had a few close friends at the school and she largely avoided gatherings of teachers. After the school went remote during the pandemic, there were signs that Miss Toby seemed to be struggling. Some students' emails went unanswered, invitations to moderate out-of-class online debates were declined, which was the kind of activity she once relished, and her two children were constantly fighting, according to her own social media post. So as the pandemic continued, her school began to bring instructors back into the classroom, but Miss Toby continued to teach remotely, which surprised many of her students. For the past decade, the Tobys, according to their friends, colleagues, students, and even public records, have faced an array of stresses. They worried about money, they had anxieties over raising their two children, they had a feeling of being undervalued, and they had this anger about American politics in general. Starting last year, prosecutors say that the Tobys took a fateful step. 
they tried to sell some of America's most closely guarded nuclear submarine secrets to a foreign government for an initial payment of $100,000 in cryptocurrency, which eventually led to their arrest on Saturday, October 9, on espionage charges. So what happened was that on Wednesday, April 1, 2020, a few weeks into the pandemic, Jonathan Toby sent a package to an unidentified foreign government listing a return address in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The package contained a sample of restricted data and instructions for establishing a covert relationship to purchase additional restricted data. On Sunday, December 20, 2020, the FBI obtained that package and then six days later on Saturday, December 26, undercover FBI agents sent an encrypted message to the Tobys offering to buy that information that they had for sale and the ensuing back and forth communications eventually led to the couple's arrest. So on Thursday, June 10, 2021, undercover FBI agent sent $10,000 in cryptocurrency to Jonathan Toby as a good faith payment. Shortly afterwards, on Saturday, June 26, Jonathan and Diana Toby traveled to a location in West Virginia. When they got there, Diana Toby acted as a lookout while Jonathan placed a blue 16 gigabyte SD card that was wrapped in plastic and concealed within half a peanut butter sandwich at a prearranged dead drop location. So after receiving that um, memory card, undercover FBI agent sent Jonathan Toby a $20,000 cryptocurrency payment. In return, he emailed the agent a decryption key for that memory card and a review of that memory card revealed that it contained restricted data related to the design elements and performance characteristics of Virginia-class submarine nuclear reactors. On Wednesday, July 28, Ms. Toby posted a Facebook message that was visible only to her friends looking for a babysitter to take care of her two children early on Saturday morning, July 31, for about five to six hours. Later on, she updated the post with the word found, and that Saturday, she accompanied her husband, Jonathan, to somewhere in South Central Pennsylvania. Unbeknown to the couple, FBI agents were watching them as they left their home in Annapolis, Maryland that day. The agents continued to watch them as Mr. Toby removed a 32 gigabyte memory card from his shorts pocket, hidden in a sealed Band-Aid wrapper, which he then placed in a container that was set up by undercover FBI operatives. On Saturday, August 28th, Jonathan Toby made another dead drop of an SD card, a memory card, in Eastern Virginia. This time he did it alone, and he concealed the card in a chewing gum package. After making a balance payment of $70,000 in cryptocurrency to Mr. Toby, the FBI received a decryption key for that memory card, which also contained restricted data related to submarine nuclear reactors. So the FBI arrested Jonathan and Diana Toby on Saturday, October 9, at their home after he placed yet another memory card at a prearranged dead drop at the second location in West Virginia. So interestingly, we now know that the classified material that the couple attempted to sell was regarding the nuclear propulsion system of Virginia-class attack submarines, which is the technology at the heart of a recent deal that the US and the UK struck with Australia. So while rivals like China and Russia have long sought details of US submarine propulsion, some experts thought that the unsolicited offer could have been aimed at a friendly country, 
not an adversary. Classified material included designs that could be useful to many countries building submarines. In the Australia deal, the US and the UK would help the country to deploy nuclear-powered submarines which are equipped with nuclear propulsion systems that offer limitless range and under some circumstances, they can even run very quietly so that they are hard to detect. Nuclear propulsion is among the most closely held information by the US Navy in part because the reactors are fueled by highly enriched uranium which can also be converted to bomb fuel for nuclear weapons. In addition, building compact, safe naval reactors is also a difficult engineering task. Until the deal with Australia, the US had shared the technology with only the UK starting in 1958. Evidence in court documents suggests that the foreign country that the Tobies allegedly tried to sell the classified information to was an ally or at least something of a partner since it cooperated with the FBI as the sting operation unfolded. While some experts speculated that France could have been the target, French officials say that they were not involved in the incident. According to court documents, the investigation into the Tobies began in December 2020 when the FBI obtained a package that had been sent to another country with operation manuals, technical details, and an offer to establish a covert relationship. The package was intercepted in the other country's mail system and sent to an FBI legal attache in the U.S. Embassy in that country. It is important to note here that the FBI has such attaches in 78 countries, including all the countries that could possibly be involved in this case, Russia, China, India, the U.K., France, and Australia. So a note in that package read, quote, I apologize for this poor translation into your language. Please forward this letter to your military intelligence agency. I believe this information will be of great value to your nation. This is not a hoax. End of quote. So the Toby set a deadline of December 2020 to hear back, saying that otherwise they would offer the secrets to other countries. As a result of this deadline, federal agents impersonated officials from that foreign government and began communicating with the Tobies that month. So like I mentioned, the foreign country received the package in April 2020, although the FBI did not gain access to it until December 2020, and the reason for that delay was unclear. Court documents did not say whether the country that received the package gave it to the FBI or if the FBI obtained it through a secret source. An FBI affidavit described the Tobies as employing somewhat sophisticated encryption methods but extremely sloppy practices as they communicated with who they thought were representatives of a foreign government but turned out to be FBI agents. They insisted on careful use of cryptocurrency and encrypted all their messages but they were lured into depositing the information usually on small digital cards at physical locations where they could easily be observed. In a message left on the memory card that was hidden in a bandage wrapper on Saturday, July 31, the Tobies asked for $5 million in cryptocurrency in return for some 51 packets of material, potentially about 11,000 pages. Part of the notes on that memory card said, quote, This information was slowly and carefully collected over several years in the normal course of my job to avoid attracting attention and smuggled past security checkpoints a few pages at a time." End of quote. So this provides some indication 
that Mr. Toby had been thinking about selling secrets long before he carried out this plan, possibly even since around the time he began working on nuclear submarines back in 2012. A note left at the final dread drop on Saturday, October 9, raised the prospect that Mr. Toby and his family might need to be extracted from the US, according to an FBI affidavit in the case. The FBI moved to arrest the couple immediately after witnessing the final dead drop, apparently out of concern that they might begin searching for other buyers. During the raid on the couple's home on October 9, the FBI recovered a cryptocurrency wallet, shredded documents that appeared to be classified documents, $11,300 in cash, as well as their two children's passports. They also had a go bag with a computer latex gloves and a USB drive. The couple's own passports had expired and they were being renewed by the State Department on an expedited basis. So on Tuesday, October 19, a grand jury in Elkins, West Virginia, indicted the couple on one count of conspiracy to communicate restricted data and two counts of communicating restricted data. The charges are related to violating the Atomic Energy Act's prohibition on sharing, attempting, or conspiring to share nuclear technology. The following day, Diana Toby pleaded not guilty to all the charges. She asked Magistrate Judge Robert Trumbull to release her to her family's home in Annapolis, Maryland, to care for her two children until her trial. Her husband, however, acceded to the government's request to remain detained pending trial. So on Thursday, October 21, Judge Trumbull ruled that although Diana Toby has no prior criminal history, the nature and circumstances of the charges against her and her actions demonstrate that she is a danger to every community and to our national security by clear and convincing evidence. He also described her as a flight risk and cited evidence that was found at the couple's home that suggested that they had been preparing to leave the country on short notice, as well as messages between the couple in which they had discussed the possibility of fleeing the country. The government had asked that both Jonathan and Diana Toby be jailed before trial. They are both scheduled to stand trial in West Virginia on Friday, December 14, although complex espionage cases are typically delayed. If convicted, they both face life in prison. So now we are left with the question of motive. What could have led the Tobys to do this? So far, government prosecutors have not revealed a motive for the Tobys' actions, but investigators think money may have been a major factor according to people briefed on the case. The Tobys had lately seemed to be far more financially stable than they had been around the time they lost their home in Colorado about a decade ago. They now earn around $200,000 combined and they live in their own home in a middle-class neighborhood in Annapolis, Maryland. According to David Charney, a psychiatrist based in Alexandria, Virginia, who has spent decades studying espionage cases, most people are bundles of conflicting impulses. Some people are driven by money, some are driven by a thirst for revenge, while others are driven by a desire to prove that, however average they may appear, they are in fact extraordinary individuals with big secrets. Intelligence officials who study the psychology of betrayal have come up with an acronym to describe the motives that lead people to commit treasonable offenses, M-I-C-E, MICE, which stands for money, ideology, compromise, and ego. Government prosecutors indicated that Mr. Toby wanted money. 
according to an FBI affidavit, he asked for $100,000 to be paid in Monero, a specific kind of cryptocurrency, in exchange for his nuclear secrets. With time, he increased that demand to $5 million after receiving the initial $100,000. There are also suggestions that he and his wife may have been having new or unknown financial trouble. Magistrate Judge Trumbull reviewed their financial declarations and said they could have court-appointed attorneys. This may mean that they are not wealthy since they could not afford their own lawyers, but they were not impoverished either. According to Mr. Charney, the psychiatrist from Alexandria, money would seem to be only part of the story since the Tobys seemed relatively well off. People who look at them and their lifestyle might assume that they don't seem to be doing too bad. But regardless of what anyone thinks, if they themselves feel that they are not measuring up, that can eat at them. So to wrap up, investigators from the Naval Criminal Investigative Service, NCIS, are still examining how Mr. Toby, who continued to work for the Navy as a civilian after leaving active duty in 2017, could have smuggled out thousands of pages of classified material and put them on computer memory cards. In recent years, a series of thefts of military secrets has led to heightened security on military bases and facilities, so basically external drives and memory cards cannot be inserted into or connected to military computers and photocopiers and printers track the people that use them and for what purpose they are used. It appears there is more work to be done regarding the deterrence and detection of insider threat incidents like this one. The Beat Picture Podcast is produced by Sunshine Media in association with Alowinly Productions. Fact-checking by Zara Kuznetsova. Audio engineer, Sergey Gorski. Graphic design, Stacey Graham. Senior producer, Bidemi Ologunde. Executive producers, Olufolani Ologunde and Toby Loba Ologunde. Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity's news, events, and incidents, and the lessons we can learn from them for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the Beat Picture Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, please share the show with anyone that you think might benefit from it. For questions, comments, or any suggestions, please send an email to bdme at thebeatpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at BeatPicture, on the Clubhouse app at Beat, as well as on the Wisdom app at BDME. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. Thank you for your time. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.